You're listening to X-Ray FM on KXRY Portland at 91.1 and 107.1, streaming online everywhere at xray.fm. This is Amplify Women, and for this next segment, we'll be taking a look at some innovative Asian women chefs who have made a place for themselves in the core of Portland's restaurant scene. Ever since she opened her first pop-up in 2020, Tui Pham has made waves in Portland's food scene. Mama Dude moved from a pop-up to a brick and mortar um, and also announced that it will be opening a second location. Chef Tui Pham has been featured in Portland Monthly. Mama Dude has received a lot of buzz in the food scene. And also recently, Tui was announced as a semi-finalist for the prestigious James Beard Emerging Chef Award. Tui makes delicious and creative Vietnamese dishes with all vegan ingredients, and I'm delighted to be chatting with her now as part of Amplify Women. Thanks for joining me, Tui. Thank you. Thank you. That's quite the introduction. I <laughs> even imagine I would ever be introduced in that way. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> yes, thanks for joining. So Mama Dude has, I believe, only ever existed during a pandemic. Before opening the restaurant, you were a hairstylist, and then started Mama Dude as a pop-up. So I'd love to learn more about just like what that journey has been like from switching careers, opening a new business in a totally new industry all during COVID. Um, well, you know, I, I don't get a chance to think about it, honestly, very much, um, unless I'm doing answering questions like this, actually. Um, uh, it's been an incredible ride and uh, a really, a lot of learning lessons. I I guess it's really hard for me to explain it because I don't have anything to relate it to. You know, I started purely by accident. You know, um, I happened to live stream myself and my kid making vegan pork belly um, on Instagram live one day my uh, followers freaked out, asked how they can buy some. And I was like, oh, I have a few slabs left from this batch if anybody wants it, you know. Um, And oh, my God, I've never seen like people in my DMs like that before. Um, And it gave me like, I mean, it was like, that same day I was talking to my sister and my mom and I was like, dude, maybe I could like sell a little bit of pork belly on the side just until like quarantine is over. You know, Um, I was like, I can probably just do it from home, contactless pickup and drop off. Um, And so I made an announcement that I was taking limited orders. It became something that I couldn't handle at home like overnight. And so basically within the course of three weeks, I was moving into my first commissary kitchen. I actually moved into my first commissary kitchen on my 40th birthday. And, you know, when I reflect on this whole Mama Dude journey, it's, it means so much because it's given me this new life that I've never thought I would be able to have. And it's given that, you know, little Vietnamese girl, (laughs) that Vietnamese American girl, you know, trying to fit in um, some, some real validation, um, which really means a lot to me. You know, I, when I sit and think about it too much, it gets me emotional. So try not to, (laughs) you know, I try to keep things light on a daily, but it's been quite the whirlwind. You know, I, I started in April of 2020 and uh, I am hoping to be able to open my second location um, in April of 2022. That's amazing. What a story. It's the second location has been really tough. Um, I didn't know how hard it would be to build a first generation restaurant from the ground up. 
So, <laughs> um, but I really welcomed the challenge. I, I, I really, it often feels like a dream when I talk about it because I can't believe this is my life, but somehow it is. <laughs> yeah. That framing of like a first generation restaurant is something I was thinking about too that I want to ask about because Portland has a relatively large Vietnamese population and there's a lot of amazing Vietnamese food here. And I, yeah, I'm wondering what it's like being like a young Vietnamese woman in this industry in Portland and like as a first generation person as well. Um, I technically actually wouldn't even be considered first generation. I was born in Vietnam. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, my daughter is actually first generation and my, my younger brother and sister are. Um, and, you know, uh, I grew up, I moved, I immigrated to Portland in the early 80s and 82 um, from Vietnam. We came from a refugee camp and we landed in Portland. Um, and after a couple of years, my mom moved us down to California and then we moved back to Portland in 96. And Portland has a really large Vietnamese population, um, but it's and it's really tight knit. Um, and I feel really blessed to have been able to grow up at least a little bit in you know, um, a close knit Vietnamese community. Um, I think if I hadn't, (laughs) I wouldn't have been able to build the relationships that I do now with the Vietnamese community that has given me the strength (laughs) and, um, has given me, you know, you know, the motivation, (laughs) uh, to keep, building and, and pursuing Mama Do, even when it was hard, you know, um, accolades from organizations like the Jane Spirit Foundation and Portland Monthly, they are so wonderful and they definitely help me feel less of an imposter. But the ones that really like hit home for me are the ones from like you know, the Vietnamese parents and grandparents who come in and tell me, oh, I drove from this part of town to come eat your food because I am Buddhist and there's not a lot of Vietnamese, you know, vegan options for me here. And so I'm so excited you're doing this. And, you know, they tell me how great it is to see like a younger Vietnamese person, like embrace the food and, you know, hearing that, it's like getting, getting the, the validation that I had always wanted from my mom, but couldn't get because she was going through so much trauma while we were growing up. Mm. And so the success of Mama Do, it just, it's, it's so tied so much to like my identity and who I am. And if I, if it wasn't for, you know, the community, you know, embracing me in that way, like, I don't think I would have been able to continue (laughs) through um, the pandemic this far, to be honest, it's been very hard. Yeah, that makes sense. I was going to ask what your relationship is with your heritage and how that shows up in your work. And it sounds like there are some really deep ties there. I think it, it ebbs and flows, you know, um, that that closeness that I feel with my culture, with being Vietnamese, you know, as I'm also trying to navigate being American as well, you know, and, you know, when growing up, I definitely felt, you know, like more like I was pushing away my Vietnamese culture, Um because I was trying to acclimate and be more American to fit in. Um, But as I've gotten older, and honestly, it wasn't really until I started doing Mama Do that I really fully embraced, you know, the beauty that is 
Vietnamese and the beauty that is being Vietnamese American and owning that part of who I am unapologetically. I, it wasn't until I started doing Mama Do and talking about that intersectionality that I have and hearing positive feedback from other folks who were saying that, oh, I feel the same thing. It wasn't until like that part of it that that I really felt like I could embrace being Vietnamese and like, you know, um, being really unapologetically Vietnamese, wearing Ao Yai and wearing my jade bracelets with pride and, you know, things like that. So um, I, and that's why there's, there's so, there's so many reasons um, that, a tribute to why I call Mama Do like this new life for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I do know. <laughs> um, honestly, it, it really resonates with me when I hear other Asian folks or um, folks who are mixed. Or for a radio audience, I am half Indian. You obviously can't see me because it's the radio. <laughs> um, and my mom, you know, came to the US from India under, I don't know, totally different circumstances from you and like obviously has her own story, but it's really, um, really touching for me to see other folks who have sort of some of those conflicting or intersecting types of identities sort of form their own authentic relationship with their heritage in a way that is like true to who they are and not like trying to be your parents or trying to be American and like forget everything about this other half of your heritage yeah Um, I love that I think you know I I don't want I I don't want to I know what it feels like to not feel enough of something or not feel enough of the other thing or another thing or one or the other Mm -hmm. and I spent so much of my life feeling that way and so I feel like you know, it's my responsibility to share that story so that others who may be feeling like that, like, you know, don't feel so alone. Because <laughs> hearing other people, you know, open up to me um, when I started Mama Dude about that part of themselves really helped me too. So I just want to like kind of pass on the, <laughs> the good deed, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Thinking about authenticity, I feel like um, when people hear like vegan Vietnamese food, maybe they think that that's not authentic Vietnamese food. What, like, what do you think about that? Like, how does how does your you food know, feel authentic or not? Not that it has to be. You know, I I, I want to first off and say I don't think my food is authentic Vietnamese. I'm. Um, I am not just a Vietnamese person. I'm a Vietnamese Vicu, a Vietnamese American. Um, and so my 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 food is authentic, authentically me, which is Vietnamese American girl who grew up in Portland, and you'll see that in my dishes. Um, but as far as people thinking that vegan food cannot somehow be also authentic Vietnamese, I think is also really incorrect. Um, so much of, you know, the basics of vegan cooking, like the making of mock meats, using seitan and flower washing and gathering umami, using MSG, using mushroom, shiitake, dried mushrooms to get that that umami flavor, right? That you hear so much of nowadays. It's a quite the buzzword. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, so much of it runs deep in Asian cuisine um, as an entire continent, for instance, you know, Japan and China and Vietnam, India, uh, you know, so, so much of Asia and even parts of Latin America and Africa have, whose cuisine, you know, has, is rooted in being plant-based, 
you know, um, much of these cultures, you know, outside of, you know, the U.S., you know, in parts of Latin America and Africa and huge parts of Asia and Middle East, you're eating lots of plant-based items and, you know, animal protein is more of a treat. It's, it's for the elite. It's for, it's, you know, it's for the rich folks, you know, who can afford it. And, you know, it really wasn't until like the Westernization of Vietnam and, you know, introducing like, you know, more Western, you know, cooking, you know, the French coming over and colonizing, introducing a lot of French culinary, you know, um, techniques did, you know, Vietnamese cuisine really embrace more animal products and stuff. But if you go to like a Buddhist temple in Vietnam, they're cooking like, <laughs> they're cooking vegan food for you, you know, <laughs> you know, go to Vietnam and if you're a vegan, just say chai. <laughs> They'll know exactly what you're talking about, you know? Um, so uh, I, I think to the contrary, you know, uh, Vietnamese, vegan Vietnamese is quite authentic. And I, I think couldn't be more authentic to Vietnam because it's it's rooted in its Buddhist history, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, do you have a dish that you're, the most proud of, or that's your favorite? You know, my, um, my favorite dishes. And I think like the dishes that I'm most proud of always kind of, uh, interchange and they evolve as I'm, you know, exploring new dishes. Um, one constant that I love and is, is that I'm very proud of mostly because, uh, Kinsley, my kid, always request this dish and it's my pepper salted mushrooms. Kinsley can't get enough of my pepper salted mushrooms. <laughs> um, <laughs> but my personal favorite dish right now that I have is um, my mushroom uh, Vietnamese style, no beef carpaccio. So it's wow. the Vietnamese name for it is bò tai chan. And bò tai chan is considered a, um, uh, a drinking food it's you can typically find it you know it always comes with like uh you see it mostly you know I see it with when my aunt, growing up I would always see my aunties and uncles eating it when they're like drinking Hennessy and Heineken and they'd have bought like on the table and you know we as kids it's beef carpaccio as kids we'd always I'd love it, but my mom would be like, oh, you can't have too much. It'll give you a tummy ache. But I firmly believe my mom told me that because she didn't want me eating a lot, like all of it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like keep it for the adults, you know? Um, but, you know, when I was in my early 20s, I worked at a uh, Vietnamese karaoke bar and in the kitchen, they had this couple who the owners... Um, actually hired from Vietnam to come over and cook the food there. And so they actually taught me how to do, you know, the original like beef, Vietnamese style beef carpaccio. And it's thinly sliced uh, beef that you would then like marinate in a uh, lime juice sauce that then kind of cooks it. And then it has all these other seasonings in it and the mm. marinade and the dressing. Right. So I, I didn't become vegan because I didn't like the taste of meat. I'll be real with you. <laughs> I went vegan because of the animals and environmental impacts. Right. Um, and so I still like, wish I could have this dish, you know, and it's something that I think about and I've, you know, have, it's, it's like, you know, rain man in my head all the time. Like, how can I like, reinvent this dish in a vegan way and so after many tries <laughs> um i have created a mushroom version um with king mushrooms thinly sliced king mushrooms um so it's a mushroom no beef carpaccio um super excited i'm actually launching it this weekend um at the shop so <laughs> mm, that sounds so good <laughs> I'm really, really proud of this dish because I've yet to see 
uh, any vegan versions of it, you know, online or anywhere. Cause trust me, I try to look to help me recipe <laughs> develop. <laughs> yeah. Where, where do you usually get inspiration for um, either like the ingredients that you use to make like a vegan version of something, or just like even the dishes that you choose to put on your menu? Is it just a lot of like experimentation or a lot of experimentation? And, you know, I am the kind of person like I, I think, you know, I, my, my entire Instagram feed and TikTok feed is all food. You know, I always like to stay on top of that, but also like my, when I first became vegan, I had asked my cousin from Vietnam to send me some cookbooks from Vietnam, like vegan cookbooks. And so she sent me like a huge box of like all these different vegan uh, Vietnamese cookbooks. And so whenever I need like inspiration, I always, you know, go through my old cookbooks and stuff or a lot of times it'll be something that like my mom cooks too and then I'm like oh yeah that's so good I want that (laughs) how to veganize it (laughs) nice so mama dude it means mama will feed you um how did you decide to name your restaurant that you know I actually really didn't name my restaurant that I think that (laughs) The name definitely is 100% my kid. Um, Kinsley is, you know, so growing up, anytime I would want Kinsley to like try something new, like a new food, I would say, you know, Kinsley, mama dude. And dude is like to feed in Vietnamese, like feed. And so Kinsley would come running over and open their mouth and like eat a spoon or whatever here, Kinsley, you know, Kinsley, mama dude. And then it got to be this thing where like, Whenever they were lazy to eat or feed themselves, like Kinsley would be like, mama, mama, mama do, mama do, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And like a friend of mine even mentioned, like, you know, he, he was like, that's a really, that would be a really great name for like a food thing or something. And at the time, Kinsley was really into like YouTube videos and like cooking tutorials. So I thought maybe they might want like to do like a YouTube channel or something when they got a little bit older. So I registered the name Mama Do for Kinsley with the intent that Kinsley might want to do something with that later in food. And then like fast forward, like a year later, we go into quarantine and I'm you know, I'm, I have all these orders in. I tell my sister, I'm like, I need to like start an Instagram account just for this food thing, because I don't want it to all mix together. And my sister's like, well, what do you want the name to be? And I was like, I, I, I don't know. Oh, wait, uh, uh, mama did, <laughs> you know? And that's how we got the name. It was for, so Kizzly gave it to me. <laughs> that's adorable. Um, so this interview is for x-rays special day of programming that's centered around women, Amplify Women. And I'm wondering, yeah, if there's anything that speaks to you about that day, or if there's like advice that you would give to women chefs or the Portland restaurant scene, um, your experience as a woman there. I think, I think, you know, if I was able to give myself advice when I started, I would tell myself to realize your value Um, and that you belong in the space that you're taking up. Even though you may feel like you don't, you're there for a reason and you belong there. And I, I think it's so important for women especially women in business and women in the food business to know that like they belong in this space and they are allowed to take up room in this space because it's our labor and our creativity that's putting these amazing dishes, you know, in front of people and and that has value. Um, 
I spent so much of the last two years doubting myself every single step of the way. And I felt really lucky because just when the self-doubt got to be too much and I couldn't do it and I wanted to give up, you know, someone in the industry, someone, something happened in the industry that helped to validate, you know, that I belong. And so if I can pass any advice on to anybody out there who's doing this, is that you belong. (laughs) Where can folks find out more about Mama Dude and where can they grab a bite? Uh, I am right now located at 1414 Southeast Morrison and hopefully pretty soon I will be at 1477 Northeast Alberta. So y'all can find more information on my website at www.mamadude.com. Amazing. Will you be doing like, um, like an opening party at your new location? I will be doing an opening party. I plan on doing a big uh, lion dance uh, uh, grand opening. So hopefully if everything lines up uh, right, it's just, it's so hard to plan for things right now, but yeah, I would love to do like have some lion dancers. I'm hoping like three or four, some firecrackers and a great blessing. And yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I'll stay tuned for, for that announcement. <laughs> yeah. Tui fam, thank you so much for joining us today and congrats on being a James Beard semifinalist as well. I know that was a really recent announcement. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It was great talking to you, Miranda. My name is Miranda Selinger and you're listening to Amplify Women on X-Ray FM. This segment takes a look at some innovative Asian women chefs who have made a place for themselves in the core of Portland's restaurant scene. We just spoke with Tui Pham of Mama Dude, and up next we have a Portland food industry superstar. Nong Punsukwatana is a chef, a Chopped episode winner, and owner of Portland's beloved spot for Thai chicken and rice, Nong's Kaman Guy. I'm so excited to be speaking with her now. Nong, thanks for joining us. Hello. Hello. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Um, tell us more about Kaman Guy. It's, so it's a dish clearly good enough to build sort of a single dish restaurant concept around. Why is it your signature dish and what makes it so special? Yes, so Kaomangkai um, um, is Thai chicken and rice. Uh, it is uh, one of the uh, popular dish. Um, I grew up in Bangkok and I uh, see chicken and rice uh, at food vendors um, in the market or like in a food court and it's like university or like in a mall. Uh, so it's, it, it is um, like uh, pizza in, I feel like in the States, but uh, like everyone know pizza, but example, if you go to Italy, that's a lot of pizza place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that's a, a very good one. And they sell out first, if like because they're popular. And my idea at the time was um, to try to make uh, the best chicken and rice I can make uh, in the United States. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <But> um, <laughs> so I, I was uh, young, and uh, it was twelve years ago, uh, and I. Um, had a big dream uh, and it's almost like a desperate uh, attempt of uh, trying to create opportunity uh, for my own self uh, 12 years ago. Um, and the reason I, I, I brought up pizza, I just, I'm trying to uh, inc- compare. It's um, kind of like that uh, uh, common street food. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I... Um, was trying to uh, stand out in terms of menu choice. Like uh, 12 years ago, uh, there was no chicken and rice uh, that I know of and just sell single uh, chicken and rice only. And at the time there was a lot of uh, Thai restaurant already like 
hundreds uh, in, in Portland and I uh, took a risk uh, by have only one item on the menu and I open at, uh, I think I open at 9 a.m. and I close when I say loud. And at the time it was uh, a bold move. And so I was lucky and, and got noticed. Mm-hmm. And I just lucky that my idea worked out. Yeah, it seems like it really worked out. Could you tell us more about your journey from growing up in Bangkok and then you came to the U.S., um, to Portland, and started a food cart? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So I um, uh, I came to uh, the States uh, in 2003. Uh, I was 23 years old. Uh, I was married to... Um, um, a Thai husband. Um, he's 21 years old, and we met uh, in uh, Bangkok, Thailand. And we, I just uh, graduated from college, and we were dating. And I was, uh, I had a, a job uh, as the flight attendant when I first graduated. And then uh, we dated, and um, I failed the training at the the flight attendant. Uh, partially because I was dating, I think I lost focus. And then, um, so he came back to the state to go to the university. So he went to PSU and uh, I came to be with him and live with him and his dad. And um, my sister gave me 300 bucks uh, at the airport. And you might heard it before in... Um, some TED talk that I did and then I stopped at the Korea airport and I bought a perfume and um, a makeup and I the, it's the first time I, I got out of the country and in my own mind it's like oh I'm gonna be rich and it's like <laughs> world and like have a like so naive I had a big dream and I thought that like he was rich and I'm uh, and, but and then so I spent that money and I left with $70 anyway go back before that like how I grew up um I didn't uh grow up have a lot of money my mom is the only person that working and uh, in my family and my dad is uh uh alcoholic uh, and couldn't hold a job. And the job he did uh, was like driving taxi, but he always got kicked out from a job. And my mom worked as a cook at the restaurant. And I worked at her restaurant uh, before back in Thailand, since I was maybe uh, maybe 15. And I worked uh, three months uh, during school break and pay for my own tuition. And um, so I, my, my dad is, is very, um, he, he's not like a happy drunk. So he kind of like a, a aggressive drunk and he would uh, physically and verbally like pretty violent. And then he would like uh, beat, beat up us, my mom, my sister, the dog. And he just, but, but he didn't do, he, he do it every day. Like it's kind of that. I think the everyday part was was a dark, dark, dark days for a long time. And so I always have a dream that one day I will help my mom. So that's my big dream. I, and um, I have Chidi Lai at home, but nobody know. At school I grew up, I, I was a funny one in the group. I did really well in school. It's, and I have this drive since I was a young age that I won't end up end up here. I will be somewhere far away, like movie Forrest Gump when the scene like girl Jenny play in the cornfield. Like that's kind of scene. <laughs> like I, I in my own mind, it's like, oh, I will have a good life. And I think that drive is, is still with me today and, and carry me to to, to hear, uh, but it just took a long time until I feel like I I hear somewhere, like 34 years. So anyway, came to the States and I, right at the 
third week, first month in the States, I already got a job uh, as a waitress at the uh, buffet restaurant on uh, 82nd. And, and uh, I just worked and uh, saved money and create the life that I wanted to be in. But I don't know what it is. And, uh, and um, everyone that work uh, at the restaurant, they have they go to school but I didn't go to school uh, and I didn't want to go to school because I didn't have money and I thought like okay I'm gonna do a street style I'm gonna create my own life that and and I won't have student loan and I uh, was waitress uh, at um, numerous restaurants a lot of restaurants I work night and day I work seven days a week I save money and um, so I, I did that for about seven years. And then I cooked some time for friends and I didn't think of opening the restaurant uh, because everyone I know that at Thai like have restaurants. So I always want to be different. Um, but the cooking thing is something that I had to do growing up. But my mom teach me how to cook. And... So um, my my friend uh, gave feedback like, hey, you know, why don't you like have your restaurant one day? Uh, and then so um, I applied uh, the job at Pok Pok. At the time, it was a restaurant of the year, 2018, I think 2017. And I was curious, like, why why um, this uh, restaurant, one restaurant a year and all the Thai restaurants I worked at uh, didn't win the award. Uh, and I also want to kind of know that if I would like to cook uh, as a living. Uh, and I just fit right in. And at, at that time, seven years, I have some money saved, but I didn't know what, what I would do with it. And... Um, Anyway, I almost when when I went to Pok Pok, I, I love it there, and I almost abandoned my dream and like just work there because I I like it very much, and I was so surprised of like um, I was the only Thai person there, but everything about it is Thai, the music, and and I just feel um, like I remember like peeling charlots, and I was happy. Uh, so that's what I remember, and and I uh, it's weird that I um connected back to my root during the time that I worked there and and gained some confidence, and I decided to open. And I worked there for nine months and opened Nongs in two thousand nine. Yes. Yeah. How did you know it was time to shift from working at Pok Pok to? getting your own food truck and branching out on your own. Yeah. So when I uh, went to work there, like, like I mentioned, like I, I have money saved. It, it, I think mm-hmm. it's about like, I saved about maybe like, maybe like $10,000 I have saved from working seven years. And, and then so it's like, I have this idea of, of, of doing something, but I don't know yet. I'm going to work there for three months and open my own, but I don't know what it is yet. Uh, but I end up there about nine months, and I, uh, I, I think that if I keep working here, um, then um, the dream that that I have the idea, uh, it won't happen. Also, I start uh, using my saving money that that I have. So I, um, I have this idea of a uh, chicken and rice, and at at the time it was uh, nobody does it. Uh, and and food cart wasn't my choice as well. I have fancy dream like I want to own a restaurant, but the saving account is left to like eight thousand dollar. So eight thousand dollar I cannot open a restaurant. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so I so uh, and I was uh, single at the time, and I was like, okay, uh, I have like one shot. Like I I I. I have to make a, a, a good life for myself. So food cart was uh, an affordable choice. Uh, so I went to the, the outer pod 
and um, there was uh, and, and uh, some uh, there was a few food carts there and I just hang out and try to count how many people walking and uh, there was less than 10 back then um, and then I found this uh, kettle corn cart on Craigslist listed in Corvallis so I drove all the way there and I, I was the second person arrived and then uh, so he agreed to to sell it to me but but he said oh but he said how, how are you gonna put bring it back to Portland. I said, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> and then so he offered, he offered, I, I bring it to um, your location. And then so, so at the time I go wait at the spot, uh, he said like three o'clock, I'll be here or, or something. And he wasn't there. I was like, where are you? Uh, and he said, oh, you know, there's somebody come to buy and he has a trailer, everything. He gonna haul it. I oh. want to say to him. <laughs> So I was like, oh, but you agree, uh, you you promise, why will you do that? And at, at the time, uh, it's like you cannot find that no food cart for sale. <laughs> it's like food truck, it's, it's, it's not popular. So anyway, he, he say, okay, can you pay uh, more? And, and uh, so I pay, uh, I think maybe $300 more and he bring it. Uh, and then, so he dropped off, gave him the key, I pay him, and then he left, and I was like, okay, got this key. And then I unlocked, open the key, and that was covered filled with, like, kettle corn. Oh, um, my like, goodness. Yeah, so covered kettle corn. But, but when I went at the spot, it was empty. It was for showing empty, but he, I think he had it in garage or something, and then so he just filled it up, like, yeah, you, you oh my know. gosh, and he put then, all his trash in there and sold it to yes, you. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but I still remember that, like, oh, I. But I still remember, like, wow, like this is the what tastes like to own your business, and <laughs> and uh, even I. So first thing I do the trash, like it's like I I feel like it hit me like, yeah, for, for first challenge is not supposed to be easy. Uh, to own business so, so even I hold that key and the chat in front of me and I start working my way and I, I like full with hope hope and dreams that like like this my first this is my like this six by six tiny the corn this is my business I was overjoyed yes amazing and then and then uh, we park at the next to Pok Pok and then uh, the the guy, I think his name is Susumu Sang. He's the owner of that place that allowed to park and then we have to build inside now that yeah. He he said, Oh, it's Japanese toilet. He said <laughs> he's he Japanese. <laughs> and the the food part is so tiny. So he said, Oh, it's Japanese toilet. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned working in restaurants in Portland like Pak Pak, he sort of reconnected with maybe Thai culture a little bit. What is your relationship now with your Thai heritage and how does that come through in your work or your food? So I think that it's a weird journey. I think that because I grew up there um, very poor and with alcoholic dad, I feel hurt from what I grew up uh, and I took it personal. And then so I... I don't feel like I have good memory there. So when I'm in the States, I also uh, somewhat like, you know, I, I still um, outcast and uh, I, I don't have a lot of American friends or even with Thai people that I know, I, I feel not, not um, kind of disconnect. And then, but when I went to work, what part that connect for me was the music that they play. So they play type of music that is, when I was a student in Thailand, we wouldn't listen to this kind of music. It's for country people. And the music is talked a lot about, because I, I grew up in the city, I'm from Bangkok. And then, but in Bangkok, it's uh, very developed. So all the people from other province go to work there. But uh, like I went to school and then I have college. So I have this perception that like, oh, I will work in the office and 
all that. Um, anyway, those music, I, I never listened to, but the music is talk a lot about uh, being away from home and being um, in a working class, miss home and have hopes and dreams and very make, make very little money. So I, I never imagined that. And then, so while I was working, make papaya salad, all those songs, the Thai song, oh, that's me. You know, like now I'm the person in the song somewhere far away from home, make little money, have dream. And in, in those songs, it's an upbeat, it's an upbeat <laughs> tempo, <laughs> but the, the lyrics is very sad. So I, I feel it's almost like, a, you know, a, a, a lighting moment of how I uh, perceive life or, or how I have illusion and, and uh, a thing of life. Like uh, I was young and naive and I, I see life uh, different. Like I thought like, oh, life would be like this, but, but it's, life is not that. So strip all everything away and become, you know, like from the bottom. Like I came here, like start from the bottom and and I'm trying to make my own life. I I, I had this <laughs> thought of like um, from the relationship that I, I in the States, I, I have dating some people and and it didn't work out and I had, this idea that nobody wants to be with me because I don't have future. And then I, I, at the moment I, that I want to make my own life, I'm like, you know what, nobody gonna help me. And marry anybody is not gonna help me either because nobody wants me. So if I want to something for myself, then, you know, I'm gonna do it with my own hands. And that's what I did. And it worked out. Yeah. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah, it sounds like your experience sort of building this business and name for yourself in Portland was definitely a challenge from day one with a food truck full of kettle corn and everything. How mm -hmm. has how has the Portland food scene treated you over the years? Like, how do you feel in this community? But the Popolan gave me so much, gave me everything. And <laughs> now I, I, I think I also like in the sitting in a full circle. Uh, and I, I wasn't expect uh, the fame, money, all the things that, that, that uh, you can dream of. And like, I, I never thought it would happen. I, 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 I thought that maybe it's, something happened, but it is more than I could even imagine. Yeah, I, I think like it is hard to, when I um, have problem that, that I couldn't solve, like that, that, that there was a, a few connecting point I wanna bring up was like, related to the, the previous question about like the connecting the root with the culture, what's mm -hmm. that like, I have an idea of chicken rice, but I was trying to be uh, accepted and I was trying to run it uh, in the way, American way. Like I look up to company like <laughs> Nike, uh, like I want to be like, uh, I, I want to combine Thai and American and, and I, and then um the immigrant had some way of doing things and follow like the footsteps from pre previous uh, and, and not necessarily that's good and bad and everyone do different. I don't want to say bad things, but in my own way, because now I have my own company that I want to run and be a good company like that. So when I went to work at Pok Pok, it's like, it's a James Beard Award restaurant. Like it's, it is five-star restaurant. And so everything run efficiency and and uh, everyone American and has a good system. And then at the food cart, I sit by sit. I have three compartments in, one hand sink, one rice cooker, one rice warmer and two cookers. And, and I was like, 
how could I make this work? Like I, even just the first day, I was like, how how uh, I was struggle, and I have to. And then anyway, I met this um, Thai lady that she had a food cart near near on the other lot, and uh, <laughs> they make me think of like, hey, you from Bangkok, like you 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 have to mix and match, like you cannot walk straight. Then you have to okay zigzag a little bit street style. And I asked myself, where are you from? I'm from Bangkok. Okay, <laughs> uh, street vendor thousand. Like how to make it work and make it work. And then you know, so um, I, I feel that it was like so that was one moment. Do you have any advice for other Asian women just getting started in the food industry? If you could tell them one thing, what would you say? There's um, oh, one thing is to say, just do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and um, the, the next next thing is to uh, write it down, and and it's the best advice I ever received too, is to uh, just do it and write it down. <laughs> That's great. Where can folks find out more about your business, and where can they eat some cow man guy? I have uh, two restaurant uh, location, uh, one uh, in downtown uh, Portland. And the one in Southeast, uh, seven days a week, 10 a.m. until 8 p.m. Uh, also, you can find Nong Sauce uh, at New Season. Uh, and we also sell pickle at New Season at the cold refrigerated section. Uh, also available on Amazon. I also uh, did uh, some podcasts uh, last year called Riding Tiger Podcast. Uh, follow us and and subscribe to our channel on YouTube. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Nong. Um, it's a pleasure to speak with you. Yeah, thank you very much. My name is Miranda Sollinger, and you've been listening to Amplify Women on X-Ray FM. This past segment, we've been speaking with two innovative Asian women chefs in Portland's food scene. We just spoke with Nong Punsukwatana of Nong's Kamangai, and before that, you heard Twee Fam of Mama Dude. <laughs>